argue with God. That's the title of today's sermon. Arguing is frequently a part of religious life. A priest, a minister, and a rabbi were attending a religious retreat in the woods. They began arguing about who was best at their trade. A woodsman overhears their argument and with a slight smile says to them, the way to end this argument is for each of you to find a bear and see if you can convert it into religion. The three of them agreed and each went out into the woods to find a bear. On their way back to where they started at the retreat, the priest and the minister run into each other. The priest says, when I found a bear, I read to him from the Bible and sprinkled him with holy water. Next week is his first communion. The minister says, I found a bear by the stream and preached God's word to the bear, and it was so taken by what I said, he let me baptize him. When they got When they both got back to the retreat, they saw the rabbi being attended by paramedics, and he was obviously seriously injured. They asked him, what happened? And the rabbi says, well, looking back on it, maybe I should not have started with circumcision. (laughs) Do we have the right to challenge God? Does God want us to question or even argue with God? Does God want us to question how we are to live our lives following the life and teachings of Jesus Christ? The answers to all of those questions is yes. Now, I want to start out by making a clear distinction. When we want to argue with God, we want to raise issues before God. That's one thing. When we are denying God altogether, that's a whole different thing. And that is not what I'm talking about here today. We should not deny God. We find support for those answers that we can't argue with God in the Bible, where people argue with God frequently. Abraham, Moses, Job, and many others. In the New Testament, we find Jesus also arguing with God. First, in the Garden of Gethsemane, and shortly before he dies on the cross, when he cries out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? One of the most vivid depictions of someone arguing with God is that of Jacob from the, from the book of Genesis that was read by Laura. The background of the story is that Jacob and Esau were brothers. Jacob was not the most particularly loving and caring brother because he stole Esau's right as a firstborn son to inherit everything of the father's. He also tricked their father into giving him the blessing of the son. Then fearing for his life, Jacob flees out of Canaan to the east. About 20 years later, and some serious problems with his in-laws, Jacob once again flees and wants to come back to Canaan, his homeland. However, there was a problem. He remembered what he had done to his brother, and now, who now was a mighty warrior, and Jacob was panicked and in mortal terror of him. 
That fear was made all the worse when he was told just before crossing the Jordan River into Canaan that Esau was coming with 400 soldiers. It was just at that time that a stranger intervened in the life of Jacob and blocked his path to return to his homeland. In response, Jacob did an extraordinary thing. Despite all the fear and terror he had for his brother, he did not run away from the stranger, but decided to fight the stranger so that he could return home. The fight was no ordinary fight, because it obviously lasted for hours and hours. It appears the fight was basically a draw until the stranger hit Jacob on the hip and dislocated his hip. Painful injury. Once that happened, we begin to see just who Jacob had been wrestling with. Because the stranger wanted to fight the fight to end before daylight came. The significance of this fact is, according to the Hebrew belief at the time, if you ever actually saw the face of God, instant death. At this point, Jacob realized who he was fighting against because despite a significant injury and the threat of imminent death, he told God that he would not let God go until he had received God's blessing. In response to this demand, God gave Jacob the new name of Israel, which means fighting for or with God. Then after even more requests and a continued refusal to let go of God, Jacob finally receives God's blessing and he returns to Canaan and much to his surprise, he is forgiven and warmly greeted by his brother. Now that's quite a dramatic story. It is one of a man not just arguing with God, but literally fighting with God not not stopping until he receives God's blessing. In doing so, he fought the power of God, he fought the presence of God, and he fought the application of his faith in God. We also see people arguing with God in the teachings of Jesus. Many times Jesus taught by a method using parables. I know I've talked about parables for the last three Sundays, so I'm not going to do it again. Uh, The point is, is that God wants us to argue and wrestle with the parables of Jesus to find the spiritual truth that they contain, which most of the time is very difficult to find. To do so helps us to understand in a more meaningful way what God's intentions are for us in our lives. An example is the parable told by Jesus in our second scriptural passage, read by B. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came looking for fruit on it and found none. So he said to the gardener, See here, for three years I've come looking for fruit on that fig tree and still find none. Cut it down. Why should it be wasting good soil in my vineyard? The gardener replied, Sir, let it alone for one more year until I dig around it and put manure around it. If it bears fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. 
When one reads this parable, one is tempted to say, What? What is this all about? A fig tree that bears no fruit for three years. Of course one would cut it down, especially when it's in the middle of a vineyard. Then a gardener wants to give the fig tree one more chance based on digging around it and putting fertilizer around it. What does that mean? What is the significance of this parable? What deeper truth does it hold? There is a reason that Jesus answers very few of his parables. Because we are intended to wrestle with them, to struggle with them, to find the meaning. Now I'm going to start off saying, I'm going to give you an analysis of the parable of the fig tree that is offered by many, but not all, biblical scholars. The tree represents the emptiness we sometimes feel in our lives. It also represents Israel and the emptiness of its population when they repeatedly turned away from God. We can all relate to such a feeling of emptiness in our own lives. Whenever it relates to the devastation wrought by a serious disease upon those directly or indirectly affected by its course. Losing employment or becoming homeless. The loss of a loved one, either suddenly or after a long battle with an illness. However, the gardener represents hope. The gardener represents hope that could come through Jesus Christ because the fig tree has no hope in putting forth fruit on its own, on its own. The gardener who tends the tree becomes crucial. Perhaps, just perhaps, the gardener is one and the same thing as the teller of this parable, Jesus Christ. Jesus brings about a resurrection in people when all hope is lost. Yes, Jesus asks us to turn our lives over to God, even in times of emptiness. But that is not all. Jesus Christ will continue to cultivate in us, not necessarily with manure, but Jesus will continue to cultivate in us a living, hope-filled life and enable us to bear fruit by sharing that hope with others. Now, we conclude, we conclude, conclude by this that that may be a meaning of this parable or it may not be a meaning of this parable. The meaning of the parable is important, but what's more important is how we struggle with it, how we research it, how we find other interpretations of it. Wrestling with and seeking an understanding of it is what it's all about. By the way, that is exactly what happens in the Bible study classes and other classes that we have at this church. So it will be well worth your time to attend one. One's not going on right now, but one will be going on in the fall. This is not a new concept to any of us. Think about the last time we wanted to learn something that was difficult for us to understand. For me, that was certainly high school algebra. The law and its implications, theological and ministerial concepts, and on the light side, but no less difficult for me, fly fishing, big boat sailboat racing, 
and helicopter ski. All these activities are examples of things that I found difficult to grasp, but really wanted to understand them. So I kept at it, and I overcame the arguments. I don't get it. I'll never understand this. And why is this so difficult? We all have experienced similar events in our own lives once again. We continue to try to understand something, and eventually we got it. Or at least we got enough of it so that the activity became a part of our lives. For me, that does not include high school algebra. Understanding God and the life and teachings of God and, and the life and teachings of Jesus Christ about God's activities, we need to question them, to argue about them, to investigate them, and thereby come to an understanding about them so that they will have real meaning for our lives and the way we live our lives. An area in which God expects us to argue with God and thereby to seek a better understanding of God through Jesus Christ is in the day-to-day living of our lives. I'm going to start off by asking you a question. How many of us thought today that, we're, you know, it's too hot. We're not going to get up out of bed and go to church and worship God. Who were you arguing with? You probably thought yourself. No. You were arguing with God. It's got to be okay if I miss this Sunday, right? Look at the weather. Isn't that a sign? Hot. I don't really need to go to church today, do I? I usually sit way in the back so someone won't really miss me. See, I see you folks back there. Uh, what are those? Who are those arguments with? They're with God, not yourself. They're with God. How many of us have wanted to make a difference in this world, but then argued, we don't have the time, we don't have the qualifications, and we don't have the resources? All those arguments are with God. What about the times we encounter someone who is physically or emotionally ill? We know as Christians that we have the responsibility to give aid to the sick. But many of us argued with thoughts like, "Mm, do I really want to get involved with this person? They're so needy. I'll never be able to help them. I, I don't want to get too close to them because I don't want to get what they've got. Who are we arguing with? With God. What about the last time we had the opportunity to share our faith with someone else? We have direct instructions from Jesus Christ that we are to give aid to the sick. Did we argue that we would be embarrassed to discuss our faith or thinking that it was not cool to do so? Did we make the argument that the other person would not be interested, so why engage in a discussion about faith? Did we argue that we are inadequate to discuss Christian beliefs? Or perhaps we argue that we're superior to the other person, and we don't think they could understand the tenets of Christian faith. Who are we arguing with? Once again, with God. In all these situations of everyday life, just getting out of bed in the morning to go worship God, helping those we come across that are suffering from a physical or emotional illness, the opportunity to share our faith, and like so many more, 
we frequently argue about God and about, quote, having to do it. Having to do it. But the goal, the goal of the argument, the goal of the investigation, the wrestling we do, is to discover what is God's will for us in those situations. The questions, the questions we should be asking in the argument are, I want to do what I want to do in this situation, God, but what is your will for me? What is your will for me? Or, God, what do you want me to do in this situation? Respond as Jesus would? We will discover that the answers to these few questions are, in fact, yes. So having faith in God means that we are free and expected to challenge God. God wants us to wrestle with God, to seek the deeper meaning in God, and apply it to our everyday living of our faith. Oh, by the way, the question may come up, who wins an argument with God? And I'm going to leave the answer to that question to you. To you, I will repeat it. Who wins with an argument with God? Who does? But we should wrestle with it, argue about it, continue to seek a better understanding of God through it. You will see your faith deepen in God, and therefore your life will become a more spirit-filled and meaningful life through the process of questioning, seeking, and learning, and then applying it to our lives. So let's do that today, right now. Have questions, process them, process them. Amen. And now let us join in reading together the affirmation of faith. We believe in God, who both provides and protects, who is in a moment of love, inspired our creation. We struggle to know the mystery of God's purpose in sending Jesus Christ to show us that, despite the cruelties and hypocrites that we are capable of being, God's love for us will overcome any conceivable physical and mental pain. Except for those moments of foolish doubt, questioning, or angry denial. We believe in God, in Jesus Christ, the rights of others to accept or reject our God, the freedom of the individual, some form of final reward or judgment, and the triumph of unselfish love. So be it. <laughs>